Thanks very much, Nathan. Uh, it's good that the oldie can come and preach here. I was at my preaching at my son's church in the morning and evening last Sunday. And the evening service, he got up and said, uh, my dad's going to preach tonight. He's the oldest person that's ever preached in this church. <laughs> he did say some nice things about me too, but I said, thanks, thanks a lot, you know. Uh, people uh, sometimes ask me, you know, who's the oldest, you know, you or Peter? And uh, I feel flattered by that. So. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good to be here. Um, I thought, what am I going to preach on this morning? And for those of you that have been doing the devotions during the week, we've been looking at uh, faith in, in Matthew, and I thought I'll, I'll pick one of those and preach on it, expand on it a little bit. And so I thought I'll pick the most difficult one uh, and preach on it. So we're going to look at Matthew 15 uh, this morning and the story there that uh, Matthew tells. So, so we're getting into that uh, in a minute, uh, but just to give you a warning that if you've been doing the devotions, if some of this seems vaguely familiar, it is familiar, right? Because you just read it this week, uh, except we're going a bit deeper uh, this morning. Alex, uh, we've got uh, three boys, and our middle boy, Alex, uh, when he was growing up, was, uh, was incredibly shy. Uh, as a toddler, if anyone spoke to him that he didn't know, he'd just collapse on the floor uh, and, uh, and not even and look at the person. In primary school, uh, he won a few awards, you know, on assembly and that. And whenever they'd call out, Alex Sweetman, come and get your award, he wouldn't move. Like he'd just put his hands in his head, his head in his hands and just sit there. And people say, go down and get it. No, 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 he wouldn't move. It was, it was probably, in high school, it was probably year 11 before he could actually go up to the tuck shop and order anything from the tuck shop. Like, he was incredible. It's hard to believe that now because, like, he's so outgoing and gregarious and all the rest. But, but he was incredibly shy uh, when he was growing up. That's why when, when he told me that he'd got a role in the school musical, I thought, oh, no. You know, like, he's very musical. He's like his mum. But, but, like, throwing himself into a role, like, such a shy kid, I just, I just couldn't see it. I can still remember the, the first uh, night that we went along to the musical and we were sitting there and I'm feeling a bit nervous for Alex, you know, thinking, how's he going to go, you know, playing a role and all the rest. And he walks out on stage and suddenly this huge voice booms out that captivates everyone. And I thought, I don't think I know that boy. You know, like, that's totally unexpected. It was not at all <laughs> what I thought that, that he was like. People are like that sometimes. They, they do unexpected things. Sometimes it's in a positive way, you know, like it was for Alex and, and someone you uh, know who uh, you think is incredibly selfish and self-centred and suddenly they, they do something that's wonderfully generous and you think, where did that come from? Or, or someone that you think doesn't like you and, and then one time comes over and is really nice to you and very warm to you and you think, I didn't expect that. Sometimes it's in a negative way that they act out of character, isn't it? Uh, uh, they, you, again, you might have the opposite thing. You might have someone who you think really likes you and gets on well with you and then you hear that they've said something about you behind your back and you thought, where did that come from? Or someone that you think is uh, really nice and gentle and patient and then suddenly explodes and you think, where did that come from? I remember I worked with a guy once and uh, quite a few years ago, a young guy, 
And he was just really, really good. He was a beautiful, gracious uh, man of God. And uh, uh, he got on really, really well with the students and all the rest, you know. So, and I, he was just wonderful until one day I started to talk to him about politics. And he completely changed. Like, <laughs> I was going to say he became an animal. That's probably too strong. Do you know what I mean? But really, really strong in his perspectives on everything. And I thought, where did that come from? <laughs> Recently, uh, it's probably been right throughout history, but recently we've become aware of some leaders, some Christian leaders in, our, in the world scene that have acted what we've thought has been out of character. We thought, where did that come from? And it's, it's been very damaging and very, and very hurtful uh, for us. If anyone never acts out of character, right, you can always be sure that what you see is what you're going to get, always, surely it would be Jesus, Right? Like, you know what Jesus is like. Like, have a think about it for a moment. Like, what is, well, what was and what is, he continues to be the same. Like, what was Jesus like? What kind of adjective would you use to describe Jesus? How about you just say, if you can, right? A bit of noise here in the church is all right. We put up with the kids, you know, we love the kids, so we can put up with the adults making a bit of noise. Why don't you tell the person next to you just what as an adjective that you think describes Jesus? All right, off you go. Have a think about it. Just say a, a word, an adjective of some sort that describes Jesus. So what do we get? Loving, caring, Generous, accepting, gentle, generous. Like these are the kind of adjectives we would use to describe Jesus. He doesn't behave out of character. He did get angry, but that was always against injustice to others, never to injustice to himself. So he acts in character. We know, we can predict what Jesus is going to be like. That's why this story is so strange. And so difficult. Let's have a read of it, all right? Let's read this. Does this sound like the Jesus that you just described? This is Matthew 15, and I'm reading from verse 21 to 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. That's kind of not what you expect from Jesus, is it? I mean, the last verse is, but the rest of it, this is rather strange. Is this Jesus acting out of character here? And so we need to have a look at this. If you've done the devotions, you'll have some answers to that. But let's have a look at this 
and see what it's about. Okay, so Jesus had spent a lot of his ministry time in Galilee. Galilee is where he grew up, Nazareth was there. And, and so he'd, um, he had, did a lot of miracles, he did a lot of ministry, he did a lot of teaching uh, in, in Galilee. And he drew big crowds and he did many miracles. And he was getting towards the end of, her time, of his time in, in Galilee. And he was ready for one big push uh, through Judea and ending up in Jerusalem where he was going to be crucified and, and he knew that. So after a lot of time in, in Galilee ministering and serving the people there and being under a lot of pressure, both spiritually giving out as he constantly did, but also by now uh, Herod has uh, assassinated John the Baptist and, uh, and, and, so, and Herod's looking out for Jesus now and the religious leaders have become more antagonistic towards Jesus and uh, trying to put him down whenever chance they can, trying to turn the people against him. And so there's been a lot of pressure on him, a lot of tension on him, a lot of giving out. Uh, and so finally Jesus thinks that uh, he'll take a break. And so he heads northwest, if we put the map up there, I think there's a map, uh, he heads northwest uh, to the coast. But he's not only just going to the coast, he's actually going completely out of the uh, Jewish area, right? This was no longer under Herod's control. It belonged to someone else. Uh, and so he was moving overseas in a sense, you know, going to the beach, but, but moving overseas. It would be the same for us if we were, chose to have a break, you know, and had a holiday in uh, Fiji or uh, New Zealand or PNG or... Tasmania, no, no, sorry, Tasmania, I think it's on the map now, isn't it? So, it's, uh, so uh, but, but, you know, like getting away from things. This is Jesus. He's, he's, he's having a break. It's, uh, uh, it could be stress leave. There's a, there's a lot of pastors at the moment, quite a few pastors that are suffering some forms of burnout at the moment in, in Queensland and I'm sure in other places as well. And, and, uh, and some of them are on stress leave at the moment. They're having a, they need to have a rest, a, a break, a chance to, to get away from the pressure and the stress. And Jesus was a man as well as being God. And, and he too needed breaks, like he just couldn't keep going all the time. And so here he is on retreat or on holidays. I don't know how you describe it, but he's got away, he's right away from the pressure. Maybe he's trying to escape from Herod uh, and, and what Herod's trying to do. Uh, maybe he's just saying, hey, guys, let's get away now. <laughs> I've got a big push ahead. It's going to be a lot, of, uh, a lot of giving out. And then finally, I, I'm dying. I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. And, and so let's have a break. Let's just get away. Let's have a holiday uh, together. When you're retired like me, uh, holidays don't mean all that much because you're really on one constant holiday, you know. So, uh, but when I was working full time, Holidays are really, really precious, you know. Like, I mean, I loved what I what, what I've done in ministry and all the rest. That nothing wrong with that. That was great, exciting. But when you're under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, having a break is also really, really good. And I loved my holidays. And uh, so here is Jesus now. He's taking a beach holiday. <laughs> He's getting away from things, away from the pressure. He's going to a place where, where no one knows him, no one has any expectations of him. This is not Jewish territory at all. This is north in uh, Tyre and Sidon. 
So here he is and he's on holidays and then suddenly a woman recognises him and wants help. I recently had a holiday with my youngest son, Zach, and we went round Tasmania, just the two of us. Uh, together, we had a couple of weeks there, and in the second day we were there, uh, we went on a little tour to Mariah Island, which is just not far away from Hobart. And so we got on this mini bus in Hobart and headed to the ferry where we were going across to Mariah Island. And there was probably ten people on the bus; it was just a small group. And I didn't look around very much, you know. So I was just getting off the bus, ready to go to the ferry, and someone behind me said, "John Sweetman." I thought, oh no, someone's recognised me. <laughs> and uh, it turned out it was a, a lady that uh, has, have, was on our council at Malian College and uh, made a huge contribution. She's a beautiful, beautiful lady. She'd lost her husband a year or two ago and, and uh, she was uh, touring by herself. And, and so it was wonderful to catch up with her and we had a bit of time together and that was really, really precious. But just for a moment there, I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> who is it <laughs> uh, that recognises me at the time? And this is what's happened to Jesus, uh, except this is not some old friend. <laughs> uh, this is a lady that he doesn't even know. She's not a Jewish lady at all. And uh, she's recognised him and now she wants something from him. And she's making quite a scene. Like uh, so much of a scene, like she's crying out. That's what it says uh, in, in verse 22, crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. In fact, so annoying is this crying out, so it must be constant yelling out that the disciples come to Jesus and says, so she keeps crying out after us. <laughs> Please send her away. Get rid of her. Like, we can't put up with this uh, anymore. It's interesting that Mark calls her Leaving that place, this is verse 21, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him. There wasn't any such thing as Canaanites. Like there were in the Old Testament time. If you know the stories of the Old Testament, the Canaanites were some of the arch enemies of the Israelites. But by now, the Canaanite nations disappeared completely. She's a Syrophoenician woman. Uh, but Mark refers to her as a Canaanite woman. And I think he's doing that to say, this is no friend of Jesus. Like, this is no good Jewish girl. <laughs> this is a Canaanite. These are the enemies of, of the Jewish people. This is the lady. This is her stock, at least. She comes from that kind of a background. So it was annoying the disciples and they urged Jesus to send her away. But she had a great need, this lady. Her daughter, it says uh, in verse 22, my daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. We know from some of the other stories uh, from uh, the Gospels that demon possession, this level of demon possession or demon influence in someone's life was horrific. It had physical consequences. It had emotional and relational consequences. It was a, a very, very difficult thing uh, to cope with and here was a mum watching a daughter in this situation with so little hope and uh, so she was crying out out to Jesus and she wasn't going to let Jesus go holiday or not <laughs> she was determined that Jesus was going to 
heal her daughter and she believed that he could. But there was another problem here as well. It wasn't just that Jesus was on holidays, although that might have been on stress leave or whatever it might be. That might have been significant. But but it was more than that. You see, God had a very clear plan of what He was going to do. This was God's intention. God was going to use Jesus to speak to the Jewish people. And that's what Jesus says here. Uh, He says, verse 24, He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So this is God's plan. God's going to send Jesus, sent Jesus to the uh, Jewish people. Uh, he was going to speak the gospel to them and be the Messiah. And, and uh, they were going to then respond to him, uh, restore their relationship with God and then become a witness and a testimony to, the, to everyone in the world, to the Gentile people. And so this was God's plan. He had a particular order in what he was doing. And Jesus knew that. Jesus said, I have come to the lost sheep of Israel. This is my purpose. Now, it's not that God doesn't care about Gentiles. Uh, This lady's time was coming. Uh, The the disciples were going to reach out. The early church was going to reach out and touch the whole of the Gentile world. So it wasn't that it was just not now. Uh, God was going to do it, but this was not the right time. And Jesus knew that God had a plan for him and he was seeking to uh, fulfil this plan that he was reaching the Jewish nation uh, with the good news. Uh, and Jesus, and so Jesus was going to disappoint this woman. Uh, he knew that this wasn't what his ministry was about. He, his, this was a break time, but his ministry was to the Jewish people. I had an approach earlier on this year uh, from a pastor over Ipswich Way. And he said, John, he, uh, particularly think with some of the COVID stuff around the place and all the rest, he said, John, I really want to do some teaching on the book of Revelation uh, for my people. And, uh, and what I would like to do is do six weeks of Bible study on Wednesday night uh, on the book of Revelation. And I was wondering if you could come and lead us in that. So do I like teaching on the book of Revelation? Well, yes, I do, actually. I thought that'd be fantastic. But I just couldn't do it. Like it just didn't fit in all the stuff that I had on, the things that God wanted me to do. And so uh, as I have to do quite often, I just said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'd love to help, but I just can't do that. It just doesn't fit in. It's just not what God's calling me to do at the moment. And he was disappointed because <laughs> uh, he wanted me to come and, 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 and help. And, and this lady's going to be disappointed. Uh, her opportunity's going to come but she just has to wait. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit longer uh, before she, the good news is going to come out and the miracles and all the rest are going to happen uh, through the early church. For this Canaanite, <laughs> pagan, <laughs> seems, mother, I was in no mood for waiting. Like she had a very sick little girl and she wanted Jesus urgently to heal this girl. And so what she did was, all right, so this is clear, right? That you see the story, you see the uh, trajectory that Jesus is on. Uh, he's having a break. He knows what his ministry is. He knows he's heading to Judea and then to Jerusalem and the cross. And, uh, and he's got that in his mind. He's heading away. But, but she does everything she can to get Jesus to heal her little girl. Let me just look about some of the things from the story. Some of them you will have seen, perhaps some of them you won't have seen. All right, so here we go. What does she do? Well, firstly, she bombards Jesus. We know that, right? So she just yells 
embarrassingly, I would presume, you know, she just keeps on yelling out, yes, please, Jesus, come on, heal my daughter. She needs healing. She's, in, she's in, uh, dominated by demons. Please, will you do that? Uh, it was embarrassing. Like that sort of thing's embarrassing if you see it in, in public. And it certainly annoyed the disciples, but she didn't care. Like she just kept yelling out, <laughs> bombarding Jesus uh, with her need. Uh, the next thing we find is that she honoured Jesus. She actually uses a very specific term when she cried out. So she cried out, verse 22, what did she say? Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. What's son of David mean? Like he's, she's a Canaanite, <laughs> right? Uh, she's from a different background. What's she using this word son of David? Well, son of David was... The favourite, I think, Messianic term uh, for, the new, for the Messiah that was coming. See, all the Jewish people expected that a Messiah was coming uh, that was going to restore the kingdom to the way it was in David's day, <laughs> where people had a heart for God and they were a great national influence and a great international influence and all the rest. So, so they were waiting for this Messiah who they often called Son of David. The Son of David's coming and he's going to make everything right. And this lady is using this term, this Jewish term for the Messiah. The Jewish leaders didn't recognise that Jesus was the Messiah. <laughs> they were re rebelling against that. But this lady, gentle lady, knew that Jesus was the Messiah and used that specific term. So she's honouring Jesus. She's saying, I know who you are, Jesus. You are the Messiah. And I recognise that. Uh, thirdly, she humbled herself then. Uh, verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him in humility. So she's been screaming out, but now she comes over and, and she kneels before Jesus, humbling herself, saying that, uh, Lord Jesus, I respect you, I trust you, I need you. And then she pleads with Jesus. She knelt before him, verse 25, and said, Lord, right, another term of humility, Lord, help me, she says. She cried out from her heart, make me the exception. I know that you've said I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, but can you make me the exception? <laughs> please, please, will you hear my cry? Please help me and my daughter. And so Jesus then had one last go, all right, at putting her off. He's been silent up to now. He's told the disciples, I'm only for the lost sheep of Israel. And this is probably the most uncharacteristic statement that we've got in this whole, whole story. Um, he replied, verse 26, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, I don't know how Jesus said this, I suspect it's like a grandparent often does. Do you know what I mean? When, you've, when you know that you've got to discipline your grandchild in some way, you know, they've done something stupid, or ridiculous or whatever, and you know you've got to issue a, a hard word. But underneath, you're saying, oh, aren't they so cute and so beautiful? Do you know what I mean? Like on the surface, maybe some parents do this as well. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're hard, <laughs> but, but underneath, you're thinking, wow, <laughs> That was so cute what they just did or, or you know, like, like 
Anyway, if you're not a grandparent, you probably don't understand that. But, but you know, you do, you, you, what's going underneath? And I suspect, particularly with the response that we're going to get from Jesus in a second, Jesus is saying, well, I'm going to put one more thing out there. See how she goes with this. <laughs> uh, and he says something. And it's, it's, again, it's, it sounds very rude and it is very rude. Uh, but toss it to the dogs. Dogs was a word that the Jewish uh, people used of, of Gentile people, you know. So what Jesus is saying is that... Uh, it's not right to take what I've, I have come to give to the Jews and to give it to the Gentiles. This is not right for me to do. As I said before, that's going to come, but that's not, this is not the right time uh, for that. And then she had, her response is uh, very interesting. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from them, their master's table. In other words, she's saying... Yes, that's true. I know that that's right. I know you've come for the Jewish people. But, but there's a bit around the sides there that surely, even us Gentiles, that you will do something for us, that you will move and that you'll work for us, Lord Jesus, as well. Could you please? She's almost debating theology with Jesus. How would you go doing that? Do you know what I mean? You say that, but I'm saying, yeah, but what about this? And she's pretty good at it as well. You can imagine the disciples watching this interchange, can't you? You know, they're watching there. Uh, here we've got this Canaanite, <laughs> Canaanite woman uh, trying to get Jesus to do something, debating theology with them. And here you've got Jesus who they recognise now as is the Messiah and as they've seen all that he says and all that he does, you know. And, and what's going to happen as a result of this? What's going to be the outcome of this interchange between these two people from different sides of the track. What's Jesus going to do? And Jesus makes this incredible, incredible declaration, and I know I've already read it, so you already know what it is. But he doesn't see this pagan woman as invasive or dominating or argumentative or difficult. It's not a problem for Jesus at all. He's watched all of this. He's seen what she said. He's listened to her reactions. And uh, he just says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And the daughter was healed immediately. This was great faith. This lady had great faith because despite all the disappointment she faced, despite the seeming even rejection of Jesus, she continued to believe. She continued to ask. Her faith was tenacious. And Jesus calls tenacious faith great faith. Look at uh, some of the disappointments she faced. Disappointment after disappointment was the disappointment of having a daughter who had, uh, was dominated by demons and all the repercussions for her, for the daughter, but also for the family as well. Seeing that go on and on and on, incredibly disappointing for so long. And then finding Jesus and Jesus is silent. Uh, Jesus didn't answer a word. She's crying out, crying out, crying out. Jesus doesn't even say anything to her. And then the obvious annoyance of the disciples. You know, they're they're, they're, they're frustrated by this constant calling out, you know, and go to Jesus and say, Shuff her off, please. You know, the disappointment of, of that kind of reaction. 
the reluctance, the seeming reluctance anyway, of Jesus to step outside his mission and saying, you know, it's not that I don't care, but this is not my mission at the moment. It's not my calling. It's not God's plan. Uh, the disappointment of hearing that. Uh, and then finally, the harsh, seemingly anyway, harsh response of Jesus. You know, it's, uh, it's not right to take uh, uh, children's food and toss it to the dogs. But her faith was so great that despite all of that disappointment, heaped on top of disappointment, her faith persevered until Jesus responded. And that is great faith. That's great faith. Great faith is faith that keeps on believing, keeps on persevering until Jesus responds. Sometimes, of course, Jesus' response, God's response is, no, I'm not going to do that. And that's hard for us to take. Um, but we find it in the Bible. Jesus actually found that with, with his father. Just before the cross, what did he pray? Father, if at all possible, take this cup from me. Uh, I just don't want to go through with this, Father. And God said, no, you're going to do that for me and for all these people. Uh, Paul, we find, I'm sure you're familiar, or most you would be with 2 Corinthians 12. Paul was a great missionary, very um, much serving God. And he had a, some sort of problem, probably a physical problem. Uh, people say eyesight or back pain. It could have been any of those things. It could have been... Uh, uh, a tendency towards depression. We're not, we're not sure what it was, but he had something that was plaguing him and impacting his ministry. He, couldn't, he felt he couldn't do it as well because he had this thing and he cried out again and again, three times. He said, God, like, please take this away. Free me up so that I can serve you. All I want to do is please you. And Jesus said three times, he said, uh, sorry, I'm not going to do that. Uh, uh, this is my, what's going to happen is you're going to be weak and because you're weak, my power is going to flow through you in wonderful ways. And uh, my power is made perfect in, in your weakness. And so uh, Jesus said, no, then sometimes God does say no. We keep on asking, we keep on asking, we keep on asking until God says no. But oftentimes, as in this case, God says, God says yes. But great faith keeps pushing and pushing till God responds. What does, what does that look like? What does that look like for us? Well, let me just quickly go back over the things that this lady did because if Jesus said, this is great faith, then it must be the same for us. Uh, these are the things that create great faith. What did she do? I'm just going to say the things that I said before. She bombarded Jesus. She cried out. It was embarrassing and all the rest, but she kept on going. Uh, Great faith must mean in bombarding Jesus. <laughs> keep on asking, keep on asking, keep on saying, even when it's inconvenient. Lord Jesus, please, I want you to do this. We think we have some promises here. Please, will you fulfil those promises? It means uh, honouring Jesus. She used the term son of David. She recognised who he was. And great faith means honouring Jesus and saying, God, I, I, Jesus, I know who you are. Uh, whatever happens in this situation, I know that you are the Son of God. I know who you are and what you can do. I know that you are Lord of the universe. I know you are the judge in charge of everything to whom everyone must answer. I know these things about you. These things are true. It means humbling ourselves before Jesus. Sometimes we just come to him and in desperation and say, 
Jesus, I just need you. I need you to do these things so much. It means pleading with Jesus from our hearts, deep down feeling the the pain that we feel, the longings that we feel and crying out from our hearts, Lord, Lord, please will you hear our prayer or my prayer. May you do this, Lord Jesus. Sometimes it means reminding Jesus of his promises. Here this lady debated theology with him. Yeah, well, Jesus, you might say this, but look at what this verse says. This is the truth. (laughs) And I'm believing it and I'm holding on to that. Lord, I just remind you of that verse like it's in in your word. (laughs) Here it is. Sometimes perhaps that even means a bit of debating with Jesus as we work through these issues. I wonder why... um, Matthew uh, put this story in, the, in, in his gospel. <laughs> this is probably not true, but I could just imagine Jesus saying, do you have to put that story in? Like, <laughs> it doesn't show me in my best light. You know? uh, um, but why did he put the story in? Like, it's got nothing much to do with the mission of Jesus. Jesus said, my mission's not for this. You know, my mission is, is to the Jews, uh, it showed that Jesus cared about the Gentiles, you know, so maybe that was it, part of it, uh, but then not in the best light anyway here in this situation. So why did Matthew make sure that he included this story? And it seems clear to me that Matthew had a, a one of his tasks was to show what great faith was really like. And, uh, and this story was so important in this that, Great, and Jesus often taught this himself, you know, that the great faith holds on. The great faith continues to believe. That the great faith is, is tenacious faith. It keeps going. That's why the story's here, at least in part, that we might see that here is great faith, that Jesus looks at this lady and despite all that's going on around you, he says, This is great faith. Wow, look at this. Isn't this incredible? Hey, disciple, look, this is what you should be doing. This is great faith. I I am uh, naturally a tenacious person. It's one of my characteristics. Uh, I like to get the job done. And I keep on going uh, until it's completed. And some of you are like that. Some of you are nothing like that at all. Uh, but some of you like that. Do you know what I mean? You make sure that you get it finished, except when it comes to household cleaning and things like that. But in, in most things, I'm quite tenacious. But I'm not quite so tenacious in prayer, I find. Oh, I, do, I do have prayer lists that I work through all the time and uh, there's four big things at the moment that uh, uh, my big, hairy, audacious goals, the big things that I'm... I'm praying for, and I do that very regularly. Uh, so I do have a persistence, but it's not great. I'm not hugely tenacious, perhaps not as tenacious in prayer and faith as I am in perhaps other areas of my life. And I wonder why that's the case. And, and maybe many of us are the, are the same. Maybe, maybe we're just not desperate enough. We don't really mind if Jesus does this or not. Like, we've got comfortable lives and if he works like this, that would be wonderful. But if he doesn't, it's not going to really make much difference to us. We're not really desperate. Maybe, maybe it's we're not expected enough. 
Maybe we, have, we haven't seen what Jesus can do. And we hear stories that Nathan and others tell about Jesus at work, but we haven't seen that in our own lives. And we, so we're not kind of tenacious in our faith because well, we just don't really think anything's going to happen. And Jesus is not going to do much as a result of, of our prayer. Maybe, maybe we're just too polite. You know, like, we don't want to push Jesus, you know, like, you know, well, Jesus, here's a little need that I've got and that would be nice, but, you know, whatever you want, that's, that's fine by me. You know, like, this woman wasn't polite. I'm sorry, but she wasn't polite. Maybe we're just not patient enough. You know, like, you know, we pray for something for a, a whole month and it doesn't happen and we think, well... Probably not going to happen anyway, so I'll move on to something else. You know, maybe that's the problem. We're, we're just not patient. And often God works very slowly. <laughs> As many of you have found, this church is a testament to that. God works slowly, works powerfully. But often, not always, but often, he works slowly. And we're just not ready to hang around for all that he wants to do. This story says, don't cave to those things. Keep going, keep believing, have great faith, have persistent, tenacious faith until Jesus speaks. Some of you have faith like that, don't you? You're praying for things, you're holding on to believing the promises of God, you have great faith. And so often, even with great faith, it, it feels like God's silent. Do you know what I mean? Like you're praying and praying and praying and like in this situation, Jesus said nothing. And it'd be easy for this woman to think that Jesus didn't care. He cared intensely. He was watching her all the time. He saw her faith. And I just want you to know that if you've got tenacious, persistent faith, you continue to pray, you continue to believe that, that although you might not be seeing anything at the moment, Jesus is really, really proud of you. <laughs> He's really pleased with you. He loves it. Because that's great faith. <laughs> and Jesus loves great faith. Some of you are, are kind of faiths up and down. Uh, Jesus, if you've been doing the devotions, uh, you'll, you'll recognise that Jesus called this little faith. It's not little because it's tiny faith, because Jesus said you only have tiny faith as small as the mustard seed. You can move mountains. So it's not little because it's just not as big as what other people's are. It's it's little because it's not as persistent. It comes and goes. Do you know what I mean? You sit in church and suddenly it rises up again and yes, I do believe. And then you go out during the week and other things happen in your life and faith diminishes. Jesus calls that little faith. And maybe many of us are in that kind of category. There's things that we've believed for, things that we've prayed for and we've had no answer from God, no answer from God. And so therefore we've stopped believing and we've stopped praying. We've stopped hoping. We've stopped having faith. That's little faith. That's what Jesus calls little faith. It's, it's up and down. Now, all of us will be up and down to a degree, but I'm talking about here of really holding on and then letting it go. There's some people here with no faith at all, and it might be no faith because you just don't think God answers prayer. Or it might be no faith because you don't even have a relationship with Jesus yet and he just loves you heaps and wants you to have faith in him and to see what that can do and if you've got no faith at all then maybe this morning's the, the first time you can take a step out and say well 
Lord, I'd like to pray for this. Or I would like you to come and, and live in me. Or I would like to see, Lord Jesus, you do these things. And, and that's the first steps of faith. <laughs> Starting out, stepping out in, in faith. I felt like I, I needed a big story to finish with. You know, something that persistent and God answered in fantastic power. And I didn't get one. And then Jesus said to me, look, he said, just, just have a look at those th four things that you've been praying for. So I went back and, you know, I know them off by heart, but I just looked at those four things that I've been praying for. For, oh, for a couple of years, some of them a lot longer than that. Uh, I've been praying for a revival and... Uh, Still can't see revival, see touches of God, but, but haven't seen revival. I've been praying for revival for 30 years and uh, still continue to pray regularly for revival. Uh, the, the second one is I've been praying for a, a new closeness to God. I've been doing this for a couple of years, uh, just praying for a, a closeness to God. Like I want to serve God and I want to please God, but I just felt that, that I would like a sense of God's closeness in a greater way and a greater desire to be holy and right and, and love the stuff that God loves, you know, just, just more of that in my life. And I've been praying for a couple of years uh, for that. And in the last month or two, uh, God has drawn me closer to him. <laughs> it's been beautiful. And uh, so that prayer is getting answered. Uh, a third one is a family situation that I've been praying for. I can't share that. But uh, there's little signs. It's still... Hasn't happened yet, but little signs that God's at work in that. And the fourth one was that I've been praying for a couple of years is for the end of COVID and a new momentum in our churches. And uh, half of that prayer's well, COVID's not completely gone, but half of that prayer's been answered, do you know what I mean? And as we've been going through this prayer week and hearing stories, you think, God's at work here. So maybe, maybe that prayer's getting answered too. So persevere, keep going. Till God speaks <laughs> and see what God can do. Let me pray. Thank you that Matthew included this story, Lord. He could have easily excluded it. It, uh, it doesn't fit the major narrative of what you were doing, Lord Jesus. But he put it in there and I'm sure you're pleased he did. There's a lot of people here with that, like this lady that have desperate needs, needs for themselves, needs for others, Lord. Uh, Needs just for you to work in your power and longings and desires and passions and promises. Lord Jesus, a lot of people here like that, like this lady. And often it feels like you're silent or things aren't happening. And uh, uh, Lord Jesus, and you're actually, you're actually loving our faith. Loving the way we hold on. And you love the way we bombard you at times. and You love the way we bow the knee to you. And the, you love the times we come and just plead, Lord Jesus, please would you do this. So I pray, Lord, that you'll increase faith. There's some, this morning, for the first time, they're going to have faith, Lord. They're going to reach out and ask for something in believing, Lord, that you can answer this. And I pray you'll hear and answer those prayers, Lord Jesus. But grow faith in us, Lord. There is so much more that you want to do, but it requires a people of faith, people of expectation, a people of prayer. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that as this congregation, as this family, Lord, has seen you do so much that there will be much more in the future as we believe, as we hold you to your promises, Lord, as we understand who you are and what you can do, and as we continue to bombard you, Lord Jesus, 
tenaciously holding on to your promises and believing and praying for them. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, John. What a great word for us at the end of this week of prayer. And uh, I'm just very aware of the fact of, you know, we're sharing some of the amazing stories that God's done in this time. But in, in many ways, this isn't the end. This is the beginning of just God stirring up within us a fresh heart just to seek Him in prayer and uh, to pursue Him in that way in faith. And I'm aware also that today there maybe a number of people here or many of us here, maybe there's things that we have been praying about for a long time. Maybe something we've been praying about for five years, 10 years, 20, 30, 30 years maybe, maybe longer that you've been praying for something. And this morning, God's call is, I just the, the, the phrase that kept coming to my mind was that intro phrase Jesus gives when he tells the parable of the persistent widow where he says, I, I tell you this story so that you will always pray and never give up. That call for us just to keep pursuing in prayer. And a way to express that faith this morning as we close is there'll not be an opportunity for you just to come and to be prayed for. Maybe that prayer that you've been praying for a long time and, and you've been beginning to wonder, God, can you answer that prayer? Well, it's an expression of your faith and trust in Jesus this morning. You can actually just come, come to the front and pray that prayer again. But by doing that, you're actually expressing great faith. You're actually responding to God's word this morning, saying, God, I'm bringing this to you again. I'm not going to stop praying. Maybe things God has spoken um, to you about in the past, things that you have been seeking God about for a long time. Well, this morning, this is an opportunity for you to affirm your faith and trust in God over that situation you're praying about. Pray it again. Even if it's the thousandth time, you're going to pray that again. But by coming forward, you're saying, Lord, I'm expressing my faith in you. I'm calling out to you again that you would move in that situation, that you would break through, that you would answer that prayer. And so we're going to respond in worship as we do that. I'm going to ask the prayer team to stand in the front, to come down the front. The pastors will be here. You just come as an expression of your faith in Jesus this morning. So why don't we stand together? Let's do that. And as we worship, if that's you this morning, you want to affirm that, pray that prayer again, you come. We'd love just to pray with you this morning and uh, to trust, to look to our, our Saviour, our great God, as we pray together. Let's do that. To breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone And mercy fills the streets To look upon The one who bled to save me And walk with him For all eternity There will be a day when all will bow before him there will be a day when death will be no more standing face to face with he who died and rose
And on that day, we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. And with one voice, a thousand generations will sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And on that day, we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. With one voice, and with one voice. Thanks, Lord. So good. Thank you that you're a faithful God. Thank you that you hear our prayers this morning. Every prayer, Lord, and you move as we pray and seek your great God. And so, Lord, just bless, Lord. Continue to lead us, and I pray that for us corporately too, Lord. We're gonna keep praying, keep pressing into you that we would see more of your power released, more of your glory revealed, more to come to know you, we pray. And so we ask this in Jesus' Name, Amen. Please be seated. Do continue to come forward for prayer. Our prayer team, we'd love to pray for you, the pastors. We'd love just to pray as an expression of faith this morning. Don't forget, um, our Connections Lounge is opening up out the back there. Um, Stay for tea and coffee and our church meeting will be kicking off in around 20 minutes or so time. That'd be great. God bless.